Hi, everybody. I'm Ben, founder of Spark Grills. We're completing our first podcast episode today with Elizabeth Carmel. Uh, Elizabeth, I'm so excited to talk with you. As a brief intro, Elizabeth is the original grill girl. She's frequently on the Today Show and Good Morning America. She writes for the Associated Press. She's doing writing with Forbes. Elizabeth has released several cookbooks. Uh, she's been a part of launching multiple restaurants. What's great and a big reason we wanted to talk with her, Elizabeth has attributed a lot of her success to entrepreneurial spirit and tackling challenges, which uh, there's no shortage of in startup. Elizabeth, we're so excited to talk with you today. Tell us things. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Ben. I'm thrilled to be talking with you. I am a consummate entrepreneur and I love startups. I love innovation and I love uh, companies that evolve and that disrupt industries. And I really think that that's what Spark is doing. And that's why I'm so excited to speak with you today and to get to know you better. I'm so curious, you know, diving a little bit more into Girls That Grow. Like, you know, I saw a blog article with you, you know, from 2012 with Williams Sonoma. And at that time, you know, they were mentioning that more, you know, women are grilling than ever. How do you compare now to then? And like, was the motivation any kind of like gender empowerment, counterculture thing? What was the initial inspiration that really kicked that off? I started girlsatthegrill.com really to encourage women to use an outdoor grill as an alternate heat source, really an extension of their kitchen for cooking everyday meals. And I did this for a couple of reasons. But the most important reason is that everyone loves grilled food. I wish I could say that this was all about gender empowerment, but it really wasn't. I, I wasn't that political or that forward thinking. What happened is I literally fell in love with outdoor cooking. And I was always predisposed to love barbecue because I grew up in North Carolina. But barbecue, when I was growing up, was something that you went and bought at a pit at a barbecue joint. You didn't make it in your own backyard. You know, people think that barbecue has been around in people's backyards forever. And the truth of the matter is barbecue as a hobby and people making barbecue at home is really only been, you know, 10 years at the max, right? It's really a relatively new hobby, but it is a hobby that literally has caught fire across the entire United States and even in Europe. And when I started Girls at the Grill, one of the reasons that I started Girls at the Grill is so many women would come up to me and start complaining about, you know, whoever it was that was cooking the food that they had spent all this time prepping. And I said, you know what? Quit complaining. Join in the fun. And I can't tell you how many people I know anecdotally whose husbands or sons or fathers or whomever, they were like, wow, thank goodness, because they never really enjoyed the grilling. They just did it because they thought they had to, just like taking out the trash. And so I do think that Girls at the Grill, you know, has has broken some of the gender traditions. And I do think that I've had something to do with it. But honestly, grilling has done it on its own. The way I got the idea to start it is I was living in Chicago and I had met all of these girls who couldn't cook and They were ordering takeout food and just basically eating, you know, junk all the time. And at a certain point, they got sick of that. And so if I could get them to just learn how to cook their favorite foods using my grilling trilogy of olive oil, salt, and pepper, 
in a month's time, they were having people over for dinner. Now, these were very simple meals, but in their mind, they were turning into Martha Stewart, right? And then the more you do it, the better you get at it. And it's just a self-perpetuating you know, philosophy, right? My favorite story to tell is about a girl who worked with me and I taught her how to grill. I don't think she was interested in grilling. She wasn't even that interested in food. I think she was even vegetarian when she first started working for me. And uh, slowly, she got bit by the grilling and barbecue bug. And she went into her marriage with her now husband, taught him how to grill and barbecue. And they've made it into their life's work. I mean, that's now what they do for a living. I've talked to... I don't know, dozens of our male customers at Spark. And the male customers say, my family always wants me to grill. And now I actually enjoy it because I can get consistent results as well, which, you know, makes it so that everyone can enjoy it. On the, you know, female side, I do totally agree. There's this kind of like latent, um, you know, demand out there. And I think that, uh, you know, a lot of our female customers are saying, I finally got to use the grill. My husband was out of town and I had the guts to do it on my own. Um, and it went amazing. Or, you know, they're just getting a grill for themselves for the first time and, um, you know, really enjoying it. I think, I think, you know, industrial design and approachability play into it a lot as well. And I think, um, you know, it's nice to have a product that's meant to be more gender balanced. That's been working really well for us. That's the thing that is so exciting about the Spark Grill is that until the spark came around, which is only eight months ago, I would have to say to a female who was a little nervous about grilling, you know what, buy a gas grill because it was just as easy as flipping a switch and a charcoal grill was messy. You know, you have a huge bag of charcoal. You have to add charcoal if you're cooking for anything longer than an hour. Every single hour, you need to add gray ash charcoal briquettes to the kettle. And it just is a lot of hassle. And a gas grill is a lot less of a hassle. But now with the Spark Grill, you've eliminated all those hassles. First of all, you've got this fabulous compressed charcoal brick that is super sleek. And you've really streamlined charcoal grilling. One of the things that really intrigued me when I first uh, started learning about Spark was I love your story of EcoZoom and that that indirectly led you to disrupt the charcoal grill category. I also love the charitable aspect of what you've set up for Spark. Maybe you can tell me a little bit more about that. You know, before starting Spark, I had a company called EcoZoom that I ran for about five years and um Lived in, in Kenya for a couple of years with the company, and we achieved some pretty cool accolades. We got into the Inc. 1000 and won a bunch of B Corp Best in the World awards. And um, during the time, about 30% of Rwanda used one of our products, um, which is you know a great, really life achievement. Um, cook stoves are a big issue for climate change and health. Um, about half the world cooks on an open fire and is like smoking a couple packs of cigarettes a day for women and kids. And we were really trying to combat that and, and you know, made a lot of good progress. Um, you know, really, I learned that it's all about tuning uh, the fuel source and the, the cook stove to work very tightly together. And um, we were able to do some pretty cool things with EcoZoom. Um, and a lot of other companies have done really amazing things since then. And, you know, I fell in love with cooking uh, while in Nairobi and in Kenya. And when I moved back to Portland, Oregon, 
you know, where I'm from, uh, you know, my friends and, and myself all, we were, you know, wanting to continue cooking that way and um, just really felt that the products out there were, were pretty complicated and, you know, cooking with propane has been taking off. And, um, you know, at the same time, uh, we were seeing that in the New York Times uh, or LA Times or uh, various different publications, you know, great restaurants were starting, you know, all over the country, going back to this renaissance of cooking with wood and charcoal to really bring, bring you know, full flavor back to food. And I remember that uh, insight of the fact that we could, you know, in, in cook stoves, the goal was to, you know, tune the fuel to work very tightly with the hardware. And um, I didn't know how we would do that with, with grills. But um, that really was a big insight into Spark that has allowed us to do things really differently. You know, that's really how we're able to bring this, you know, the value proposition forward of, you know, lighting charcoal in a totally hands-free way um, and getting it up to temperature in just minutes um, and then controlling temperature very tightly just with a dial in the front of the grill. And like, you don't have to worry about different amounts of charcoal and you know, how much to use for what you're cooking and, and how much to use for different temperature ranges and all these various different things. I mean, we've really, you know, controlled the flame and controlled fire to, you know, give people just the super amazing experience compared to what they've done before. What kind of grill did you use when you came home? Yeah, I, a, a gas grill, which I don't think there's anything wrong with gas grills, but, you know, they just don't impart the flavor of cooking with wood and charcoal. And we, you know, I really miss that. I wonder how you created your first spark grill did you go out there and put pieces together or did you draw it on paper first you know my first prototype was really just about the fuel and um i made this like little stand that was like milk crate like you'd find on the back of a you know 10 speed and like cart gym clothes or backpack around in you know i learned that we could do some pretty cool things controlling airflow and optimizing the brick to work in, in ways to light quickly and to, to manage temperature tightly. And then I think we've made eight different prototype builds um, before going into production. And the very first was two under-counter ice bins that are, you know, double-walled stainless steel, like I'm sure you've seen a million times. And we, I just had a piano hinge across the back and we, you know, one of them was on top, one was the bottom and just took a Dremel to it and tried all kinds of different crazy things and really learned that, you know, we could, I could control temperature very tightly inside that made up grill uh, prototype. And then, you know, of, of course, over time, they got more and more advanced, but um, we we're able to do a lot of really cool things and do a lot of product market fit testing with later versions just to be sure we're making the perfect thing for customers. And and then it was rounds and rounds of builds with product, you know, in, in production with tooling and everything, but um, really building and all the interoperability between the fuel and the grill, you know, made the process take some time. You know, one, you know, a change in the fuel would have lots of ripple effects into the product and vice versa. Well, you are painting such a picture for me and I love it because I'm imagining, I see the double walled stainless steel hotel pans with the piano hinge. I love it. And instantly in my mind, I'm thinking of George Stephen, the creator of the Weber Kettle, because he worked for Weber Brothers Metalworks, which made buoys. And literally he one day cut a buoy in half and put legs on it, put a cooking grate and a charcoal grate in it, and obviously some air vents. And that's how he created the first Weber kettle. And so you are the modern day George Stephen. 
Yeah, that's pretty reminiscent. <laughs> I don't think yeah. any, really, because I don't think anyone has thought to disrupt the category of charcoal grilling since George Stephen, right? And he did it because he wanted uh, a grill that would cook indirectly, so he needed a lid. And you're taking it one step further and getting rid of the messiness, you're getting rid of, you know, the inconsistency, you're adding a fan so that you can literally control the temperature just like you can control on an oven. And so I think it is so fascinating. But I want to go back to your motivation. And your motivation was you had a gas grill. You were used to cooking outdoors on over wood and charcoal. So you needed a better charcoal grill. And as an entrepreneur, everything that I've created that didn't exist before has been in the gadget department, grilling and kitchen tools. And basically, everything that I created was something that didn't exist and that I needed myself. And because if somebody else already made a great one, I just bought theirs. I didn't need to create a new one, right? And so I think when people look at it, because I disrupted the industry. I mean, my very first product was an angled silicone basting brush. And I thought to myself, why hasn't anybody made an angled brush? And at that time, you bought natural bristle brushes. But the problem with natural bristle brushes is that as you use them, number one, they become stained after you use it one time. Number two, they drop their hairs off in the food if you brush, you know, like barbecue sauce on ribs or whatever, and then somebody picks it up and eats it and they're like, oh, I've got a hair in my food, but you really don't. It just came from the bristles. So I combined the fact that silicone will never drop off into your food. And this was before silicone was made out of everything. So this was probably, I don't even know how many years ago, probably, you know, like 18, I probably created that brush probably 18 years ago. And artists, I love to paint. I'm not very good at it, but I love to paint. And you can buy angled paintbrushes, but nobody was making them for the grill. So I thought, this is crazy because when you put the sauce on the food, you know, the grill is hot, the food is hot, and talk about burning the hairs off of your forearms, you know, when you're trying to put barbecue sauce on the food. So I created an angled barbecue basting brush that would actually do it for you. And I created the very first one out of silicone and it just it changed the whole brush industry in the housewares industry and and people were like god that's so weird how did you think about it and i was like it solved a problem that i had and you're doing the exact same thing with the charcoal grill you're just making a better charcoal grill so that you can have a better grilling experience were you always paranoid that like you'd miss something that other people thought of and like didn't do it for a reason um no no, that's good. <laughs> you know what? I think <laughs> I think that, you know, people ask me, who encouraged you? Who's your mentor? All of that. And of course, my parents definitely had a lot to do with it because they were always encouraging and, you know, try whatever you're interested in and all of that. But probably the biggest thing for me was the book, The Little Engine That Could. And I don't know why it resonated so much, but even to this day, if there's something that's really hard. I just think about, you know what, you just take one step and then you take another step, another step, or if you're that little engine that could, you're going up that hill and it's just, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. So no, I never even second guessed it. I was just like, oh my God, I got to make this. <laughs> and guess what? I made it. Yeah. And you've made so many things. 
I mean, from restaurants and cookbooks to grill accessories and products. Um, it's really amazing. I mean, do you have a certain lens that you take to the world as you, as you look around or like, how do you, how do you find all these things? How do you, how do you decide what's next? I don't know how I decide what's next at all. It just sort of pops up in, in my head, but I think that's because I am insatiably curious and I've always been curious, uh, you know, from the time I could speak and I ask lots and lots of questions and I, I just, I want to know how things work and I want to know if there's a better way. And I really do feel like if you don't keep moving and you don't keep learning and keep evolving and innovating, you know, you're going to be stagnant. And I believe that as a person, I believe that as a product, as an industry. And so I've always done a lot of research on consumer behavior. I, I think about that. I'm really lucky. I've written a column for Associated Press for about 12 years. I can't even remember now. 12 years, I think. And I use that column as a focus group. You know, I know based on the pickup and based on emails that I get from readers, um, you know, I know, you know, what lands with them. Like, for example, this is a, this is a great story. I went to L.A. on business, you know, at sort of the beginning of the kale salad trend. And everyone was doing kale Caesars. And I was like, ah, it's kale Caesar. It's okay. But, you know, I'd, I'd rather have a regular Caesar salad. And I was staying at this hotel, and they had the most delicious kale salad that I had ever eaten. So I ordered it twice. You know, I ordered it for lunch both days that I was there. And I came home, and I immediately recreated it myself, taking the best of what they that they had done and adding a few things. And to this day, it is the most delicious kale salad. It does take, you know, some time to make. And I wouldn't say that it is the most dietetic salad because it has beautiful, you know, pink lady apple slices and dried apricots and nuts and cheese and everything. But anyway, super delicious. So I could not wait to write it up for Associated Press. And I wrote it up for Associated Press. It was great article, great recipe, and it landed with a thud. And so that just told me that and a few other salads that I had done, that that's not what excites people. Even though people have aspirations of eating more salads, that's not what they want to read about. And that's not what they cut out of, you know, the newspaper, believe it or not, Associated Press is still in some newspapers in like C and D markets. Or, you know, printing it out from, uh, you know, from your computer and taking it and making it in the kitchen. So anyway, I've always been fascinated by what people do and why they do it and what they're looking for. And, you know, I try to, you know, incorporate that in everything that I do. You know, you reminded me of something before even making any prototypes. And I did a lot of like problem solution hunting and talking to a lot of different customers that I felt like fell in our demographics. And ultimately, I would ask people for the, what their Shangri-La grill was, you know, kind of like devoid of what's out there today or what would be possible or worrying about like technically how anything would be done. Um, and people would really say that they wanted all the convenience of cooking with propane, but with wood and charcoal as the fuel source. And I, you know, that was a a guiding light for us and still is, you know, is just really driving as much convenience into the process as we can and, but really providing for, 
you know, great temperatures and, and flavors that come off of cooking with wood and charcoal. And we added a little extra around being able to control temperature as well. But, uh, you know, the question really reminds me of those very early days of, of all the market research that I did. What are your customers asking for? Do you have any products that you're creating because they've asked for something? So we've been in market for about eight months and, um, you know, have a direct close relationship with all our customers, which has been amazing. I think uh, we might wear our customers out a little bit with with interviews and surveys and, you know, really trying to learn from them. But um, we thought that the grill was really set up for two customer groups. And um, I think we've been pretty, pretty correct. One, we call the, you know, the kind of consummate craft griller. You know, that's 20% of the market that's cooking with a propane grill during the week uh, and like what we call more of like a craft grill, which we consider ourselves as well, but kind of like a big green egg or or smoker like a Traeger on the weekend. I think we've been working really well with that audience. And then uh, the other is the home chef. So somebody using like cast iron in the kitchen. A lot of this group doesn't actually own a grill and, and doesn't use it that much. Um, and uh, from a gender makeup perspective, it's like 50% female. And um, we've been making great inroads in that customer group too. But, um, you know, both uh, have been asking for a lot of the same things, which has been really interesting. Um, you know, so we just got our full set of different temperature range bricks out. So we we can, you know, cover 250 degrees on the low end for long periods of time for low and slower barbecue. Um, and then we go up, you know, 900 plus uh, for, you know, great Neapolitan pizza on the grill. And, and you know, what's great is we can do everything in between as well. Um, so we just got those out. And now people are really wanting flavors with the bricks. So, you know, hickory, mesquite, you know, those various things. And we'll be launching a line of different flavors this summer. But what's great is we can just ask people specifically, you know, what flavor and make that for them, which is amazing. And, you know, the other big thing has been content. So we have a good onboarding program, but people would really like to also know what are the first five things that you would recommend cooking on the grill. And people want to learn a lot more about veggies. People want to know how to cook Neapolitan pizza on the grill and, you know, start getting into different meats and, and other things like that as well. And so right now where we have a few initial onboarding videos, we want to extend that to, you know, first uh, onboarding recipes basically as well. And then people want a lot of recipes overall too. So we kind of see it like ski runs, you know, first green circle, blue square, black diamond, maybe it's a Tuesday night and you want to do something fast and easy, but have some inspiration. Um, and then maybe, you know, sometimes on the weekends or at other moments, you're happy to like do new things and push yourself a little bit with a little more time and mental bandwidth. Let's talk about accessories for a minute, because I kind of like the fact that you made the grill, you gave it really good bones, but you were waiting to talk to your customers before you started dressing it up. So what are the accessories that you're going to come out with? We just launched our pizza pack, which is a pizza stone and pizza peel customized to work with the spark. You know, we wanted pizza to work really well within the grill and um, did a lot of work on testing uh, the thermal density of different pizza stones and ended up, you know, making one from scratch uh, with a great supplier. And it's got a lot less of like the thermal density that a normal stone would have so that like the pizza cooks very evenly top and bottom, you know, through that experience. That's a big one that we just launched and we're working on a number of other things. 
So we have the low and slow barbecue bricks out, but we're working on launching a, a barbecue pack for, you know, like moisture and smoke control. You know, we had so much feedback as we were launching through initial like product market fit testing. Um, there was no, nothing like standing out, but now that we're in market with our customer base, we're uh, launching a set of hooks, looking at different shelves, cupboards, you know, various different things like that. A drawer for accessories under the side table and a place to store bricks. You know, we had a lot of this vision that this would be like the kitchen island, you know, outside. And a lot of the feedback we're getting feels like it's, you know, along that line. And, and we're working on rolling a bunch of different things out. I love the analogy to the kitchen island. That's so great because really and truly, if you use your grill as an extension of your kitchen, it just is your outdoor kitchen, right? You know, I think it goes back to your, you know, story of why why grilling. You know, people can just make really great food on the grill, but it's like it's an amazing time to just kind of forget about the hustle and bustle and stress of life and, you know, the things going on and just have that all melt off and really just enjoy this like nice primal cooking experience of cooking with with wood and charcoal again and having the flame and you know, having really amazing food outcomes, of course, but just kind of like getting away from it all and getting together with friends and family. And everyone really does that in the kitchen. And we'd really like to see, you know, the ability to do that around the grill again. And and I was really concerned in the early days of building this out that we would kind of like bastardize grilling and make it where people didn't even have to interact. Uh, the goal was to be very tool forward, but, you know, not gadget forward. And what I really liked in all the chef interviews we did was you know, chefs were like, great, I can play with different rubs. You know, I can just like play at the grill with different foods, different sauces, and not play with the wood and charcoal the whole time. <laughs> That's what they say they spend their time on today when they're cooking that way and um, just really allows them to have more, a lot more food creativity with that side of, of things checked off. And it's something that we're really excited to bring forward. I love that you made that distinction because that really has been the hallmark of my whole career is being you know, the only girl at the grill, at least when I started, I was the only girl at the grill, but being female in a male dominated industry, I never wanted to focus on the fire building, right? And I never had to focus on the fire building because it wasn't a testosterone driven sort of fire building experience for me. For me, it was just how do I make the best tasting food possible? And so that's why I've always focused on you know, consistent heat, how to set the heat so that you can actually cook anything you want. When I first started Girls at the Grill, my motto was, if you can eat it, you can grill it. Because I really wanted people to see that it was just an alternate heat source. So you're right, whether you're a chef or a home cook, or even just new to, you know, outdoor cooking or new to cooking in general, it really should always be all about the food, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Hey, speaking of, I know you, uh, yeah, I mean, you've developed, I can't imagine how many recipes now, like, you know, so many amazing recipes and, you know, with the, the few cookbooks that you've launched, but um, like, you know, what are you working on now? What's your favorite recipe these days? So lots of people ask me that question and I'm not being cheeky, but it, it's the truth. I have to say that my favorite thing to cook is really whatever I'm cooking right now because I love it all. I really do. I can't think of one thing that I've ever made on the grill that I didn't like. But if you're going to ask me what my favorite new recipe is, I think that my grilled shrimp ceviche 
is my favorite new recipe. So I created this recipe just recently for Sanco de Mayo. It is a shrimp ceviche, which we've all made. Well, I don't know if all, but I've made many kinds of ceviches. And I love grilled shrimp ceviche because anyone who's afraid of making ceviche at home, because it's generally made with raw fish. Like there's no rule that it has to be raw if it's ceviche. No, no. And shrimp, you don't eat raw shrimp. So, I mean, the classical idea of ceviche is that the lime juice cooks the fish. So the acid and the lime juice literally cooks, you know, changes the proteins in the fish and it quote unquote cooks it. But with my grilled shrimp ceviche, I literally am grilling the shrimp and then cutting it into chunks and then mixing it with loads of delicious ingredients. And the twist of my new recipe is I'm using a spicy ghost pepper tequila. And the reason that I love using it in my ceviche is because you just get this really delicious sweet heat in every bite. Yeah, it sounds delicious. <laughs> we should not have recorded this around lunchtime. On that front, what's, what's going on in food innovation on your end today? Wow, there is so much. So first of all, I truly believe that you have to look at the silver linings of every situation. And I think that the pandemic created so much innovation and creativity in the food and beverage world. I mean, in the beverage world alone, the explosion of ready-to-drink cocktails is just unbelievable. And they're almost all being made, and they certainly were pioneered by small entrepreneurs and, and makers and creators. So I think on the beverage side, that's unbelievable. Also, so many people, you know, bartenders or, or people, you know, who like me, who are just spirits hobbyists have gone out there and said, you know what, I want to make, you know, a spirit that's different. And they've, they've gone out and done that. And I think it's really incredible. And then on the food side, there's so many people taking their family recipes and turning them into products. A lot that means a lot of condiments. I've met probably half a dozen women from every ethnic background and you know what almost all women some of them also work with men but almost all women of of what I'm about to say which is interesting I never made that correlation till right now are taking their favorite condiments from, you know, their traditional culture and they're figuring out a way to make them for the mass market and bottling them and they're some of the best new condiments that I've had. Speaking of condiments, what are your favorite condiments? And what are your favorite things to grill? My favorite thing, I think this steals from some of your philosophy, but olive oil and salt, I think are my favorite thing to use on the grill. You know, veggies off the grill are just super amazing with just a little bit of olive oil and salt. And um, I think it's been the biggest eye opener and like astounding thing to people that I've had over and cooked with. Of course, like, you know, pizza is great off the grill and it's, it's a big favorite of mine, but I think veggies are really the go-to and, you know, we make great burgers and we never buy steaks out, you know, at this point, uh, we can do them a lot better at home, but, um, broccoli, asparagus, um, wedged sweet potatoes. We, we even do the, you know, delicata squash on the grill and, um, it's really just been very surprising and a lot of fun. Yum. Yum. So do you have any favorite condiments? Well, 
<laughs> this is a little embarrassing, but I think I and we can't. Well, fancy sauce, uh, I would say, is our favorite condiment, uh, you know, just ketchup and mayonnaise mixed together. Is that called fancy sauce? That's what we call it. I think we stole it from uh, what stepbrothers, <laughs> Will Ferrell. And um, yeah, it's like that's that's got to be my favorite thing. Oh, my God. Oh, that is hilarious. Yes. Okay. Will Ferrell's fancy sauce is Ben West's favorite condiment. I love it. I love it. Okay. All right. Well, when we get together, I'm going to I'm going to show you some homemade condiments that are super simple to make and will actually dress up anything that you grill. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Elizabeth, what what kind of impact do you think Spark will have on the the culinary or, you know, grilling community and I'm kind of curious, you know, um we get asked this a lot, but uh, curious if, you know, there's things you're excited to try on it. You know, it's a bit of a different product. And, um, you know, we've heard from people that they're doing some new things that they weren't able to do before. Um, but just kind of curious if, you know, if you've had the chance to dive into that or if there are things you're excited to try. Oh, I'm so glad you asked me that question. So I'm going to answer this in three parts. So sit back and relax. You know, I'm going to answer the question both as a consumer and a former restaurant chef and a grill professional. And then after I'm done, I would love to hear what you think the impact is going to be as the, you know, as the creator and the CEO of, of Spark. So first of all, I think that the grill industry is on its tippy toes right now watching because I do think that it's going to be disrupted by the compressed charcoal bricks, number one. I mean, that is such a game changer and it is so innovative. Number two, the ability to control live fire charcoal heat, that's also mind blowing, right? Because that is something that you've never really been able to do unless you were an advanced griller and you really knew how to tune your you know, air vents on the top and the bottom. But using a fan to make convected heat, as well as incorporating an app and firmware to make the process sort of streamlined and, you know, fail safe for uh, the backyard cook is, it's amazing. So I do think that it, Spark will have an impact that is greater than just what you are looking for in terms of making a better charcoal grill for your own food. And as far as I'm concerned, in terms of my outdoor cooking, the thing that I'm most excited about is I'm most excited about turning the Spark Grill into a wood-fired pizza oven. Because that's something that exists if you buy a backyard pizza oven, which you can get you know, one from Italy for thousands and thousands and you know, tens of thousands of dollars and have it built into your backyard. You can buy a propane one, which they work super, super well. I have a bunch of friends who have them. But if you're someone like me who already has a couple of different grills, more than a couple actually, I don't really want a pizza oven, even though I crave that Italian wood-fired pizza. So to be able to retrofit with the pizza pack my Spark Grill to make pizzeria pizza, I think is super exciting. And that's the thing that I can't wait. 
you know, God, I love that. Like in France and Italy, going and getting that kind of pizza. So that's the impact that the Spark Grill is going to have the most on me. That's all. Yeah, we used it last night. It was amazing. (laughs) Not to make you jealous, but can't wait for you to try it as well. (laughs) I am a little bit jealous. So, okay. So we could just now just start talking about pizza, but but then I'm going to forget to ask you the bigger question, which, you know, what do you think the bigger impact besides pizza in your backyard that you hope that the Spark Grills are going to have? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two big parts, you know, really is delivering on the value proposition that we're working to create for, you know, our current customers and future customers. And, you know, really, we see cooking as something that should be super approachable to everyone, you know, and um, food can be a great way to learn about new cultures and share new experiences. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about cooking, you walk out the door to your yard or through, you know, a gate into the yard and, you know, it's just you transform to this other place. It's it's like a little vacation and I think the stress melts off and, you know, have a drink and share some food with friends and try different foods and all kinds of amazing things. And I, I really think it's about just, you know, having a shared amazing experience um, and, you know, really all around like being happy and having fun. You know, the other side of it for us is, you know, we really think like all people should have that available. So for every grill that we sell, uh, you know, with a partner, we place a cook stove in a developing country. You know, we're doing this right now in Ghana with uh, a fellow Nicholas that I've worked with for a long time. And um, it's really, you know, just super amazing. He's got some great cook stoves that they're making locally there that have really great impact on you know, emissions and fuel use, and they're helping reduce deforestation there a ton. And it's just something we're we're all very excited about. Um, You know, it's a program we just started in December of last year. Um, You know, so for every grill that we've sold, we've, you know, we've placed a cook stove and want to continue doing that. And, you know, there's a lot of ways we see that program growing over time. It could be, you know, some really super amazing things as as we get bigger as a company. And um, we're excited to see how that impact can grow. You know, whether that's, you know, developing countries or, you know, in backyards here in the States, I think it's just really about, you know, cooking great food and having that be, you know, not negatively impactful and just really having the opportunity to have access to to great food and and hopefully sharing it with friends and family. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think that it's important for companies to give back and really all of the companies that I want to associate myself with moving forward are companies that um, not only support, you know, customers, but make sure that the product gives back in some substantial way. So bravo, bravo to you. Oh, thanks. I mean, I think it resonates really great with people. And, you know, we really work to try to have a customer base that we really enjoy serving ourselves. and, And we do, which is just really great. You know, everyone in the team you know, loves talking to our customers, loves, you know, working through things that come up with them. And, you know, I think that it just really creates this positive cycle. And we're really excited to see where that goes. You know what, it really does, because there's nothing more frustrating than when you get a new product, something goes wrong, right? Oh, for sure. But if you can call somebody and a real live human being picks up the phone, and is empathetic and says, I want to help you fix this, you know, let's let's troubleshoot this way, or let's try this, or text me a picture, or whatever, then you don't care. Because guess what? Somebody's holding your hand and totally understands. And nine times out of 10, 
it's the tiniest little thing. It's like, you know, unplugging and plugging it back in. Nine times out of 10, that cures everything. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, unfortunately, great customer service is, is hard to find these days. And we're really excited to bring it to our customers. And it's been great with them. I mean, you know, we build it into what we're doing. And, you know, our customers will call asking just for something as simple as like a pizza recipe, you know, other things, of course, but, um, you know, we're there and, uh, we have great coverage and a super great team and we're all really into food. And, you know, it's just kind of talking with a friend sometimes when, you know, just kind of like figuring out what to cook next. And yeah, it's a great way for us to learn and grow and and be there. Yeah. I want to get into one last question. What is one thing that you would encourage listeners to do after they're done listening to this conversation? I love that question because for me, the call of action is always the same. Get out there and join in the fun. If you're a home cook and you're afraid to grill, I always say that grilling is 90% the will to grill and 10% grill skill. So just get out there, start grilling your food, have fun. You know what? If you make a mistake, what's the worst thing that can happen? You can eat your mistakes, right? Or if it's really, if it really doesn't work, you know, just try, try and try again. And I think that if you're in business, I have the same, you know, call to actions. Get out there and join in the fun and get out there and start innovating. Start evolving and see how you can make your industry and your category better. The product is better. Your relationship with your customer is better. You help them have a better experience, whether that's through support materials or actual customer support, like we were just talking about, and make sure that your product gives back, again, as I said, in some substantial way. So I think that in this day and age, the call to action can be very complicated and very you know, convoluted. And I think just getting out there and joining the fun, taking one step in front of the other, to me, I have not led an overwhelming life at all. It has really just been like one puzzle piece that fit into the next puzzle piece that fit into the next puzzle piece. And my puzzle just happens to be a complete circle that's in the food and drink world, you know, with a heavy emphasis on outdoor cooking. Yeah. And you're accredited Spirit One certification. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, It was great to be here with Elizabeth Carmel today. Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time. Check out our website, sparkgrills.com, where you can see our products, learn more about what we're up to, be in touch, of course. Um, Yeah, tune in next time.